For today's conversation, I wanted to talk about insecurities and how they affect us and how they can prevent us from being our authentic selves. I have a lot of insecurities. I think everybody does. I don't think that I'm unique in that fashion. I think that uh, we have a lot of external forces that act upon us and influence us from social media to (laughs) good old-fashioned print magazines. It's been around for ages. Influence the people around us, our family, our friends. All these things can drill insecurities into us. Mine are no different than yours. They're no worse. They're no better. We all we all have our own cross to bear, and we all think that ours is the worst, and nobody else has it as bad or as difficult or as complicated as we do. That's universal. So I can't say that my insecurities are any worse or more acutely pronounced than yours or anybody else's. But because they're mine, they certainly do feel it. (laughs) Because they affect me directly. And my insecurities didn't really come from media. They didn't come from, well, they didn't come from really far external forces. They came from trauma and from a very abusive childhood. My insecurities were drilled into me by a father who his sole purpose and joy was to create a ticking time bomb out of his one and only daughter to turn her into something that would self-destruct over time. He wanted to watch me eat myself alive from the stress and the anxiety and the insecurities. So much so that when I say eat myself alive, there is some actual truth to that. My traumas did cause me to gain a significant amount of weight. And those traumas and insecurities prevented me from losing that weight for a very, very long time in my life. I'm still on that journey to improve that and to solve solve those insecurities. I don't think you can solve an insecurity. You can try and disarm it. You can try and understand it and cope with it. But once it's been deep-seated, you can't really root it out. It never really goes away. It just becomes less painful, less acute. But we'll get there. So my insecurities were 
drilled into me by an abusive father. For as long as I can remember, he would tell me how hideous I was. I was so ugly. Oh, I was, I was the epitome of a gargoyle. I was a grotesque. I was disgusting. I was fat. I was ugly. I was just gross. I was so horrible that nobody would ever want to be my friend. Nobody would ever actually be with me. Nobody, not even my family would want to be around me. They only do it because they have to. I was so disgusting. You'd never have a boyfriend. You'll never get married. You'll never have a family. You're too, you're too gross. You're too ugly. Nobody would want to be with you. I heard those words from the age of four on. When I was a kid, I didn't understand it. I mean, it was my dad. He was telling me these things, and I thought, oh, okay. I guess that's what my life's going to be like. As I grew older, when I was a child, I just stayed quiet. I hid in the shadows. I was too ugly. I was too fat. I was too disgusting to, to want to have any attention because, well, any attention would be bad attention. Then I became a teenager. And I didn't want to date because who would, who, who would find me attractive? I, I'm too ugly. I'm too fat. I'm too gross. I, I'm, I'm disgusting. Nobody will want to be around me. I'm, I'm too stupid. Then I became an adult. And I still thought I was ugly and I was stupid. And that I was destined to be alone. I gave up on everything because I figured, why even try? Why try? Why even try to be in a relationship? I mean, clearly, I, I'm just, I'm one of the unlucky people. They exist in the world, don't they? It's just people who are just meant to be alone. Figured I was no better than a troll that lived under a bridge. There's still part of me that has a hard time with that. I never had mirrors in my house. The only mirror that ever existed was the one in the bathroom because you can't get rid of that one. It's pretty much bolted to the wall. Any apartment I've ever had, oh, damn, that bathroom mirror was always going to be there. So I tried never to look at it. Ever. I didn't have mirrors in my house, in my apartment. I only had a mirror if I had to put on makeup, and even then I hated it. Because I thought, well, one, why bother? And two, I, I don't want to see myself. 
took a long time, a very long time, before I could look in a mirror and see somebody who actually had some worth, see somebody who maybe wasn't destined to be alone, maybe somebody who had some potential, who wasn't that horribly ugly. Even though I will tell you, I was definitely fat. Oh my God, was I fat. And um, I'm not trying to be judgmental on that. I mean, I was a freaking manatee. I buried all of that sadness, all of that hatred, all of that trauma. And believe me, there was a lot more trauma than than just being verbally abused. That was that was the easiest of all of it. And that trauma manifested itself in a body that was sick and was very heavily padded to keep the world away from me. So in that regard, it almost became a self-fulfilling prophecy in the fact that I was fat and ugly. Uh, ugly, not as much, but fat, yeah, 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 I definitely, definitely hit that mark. There was a point in my life where I topped over 300 pounds. That's a, a, an incredible humiliation to me. That is something that hurts to the very center of my soul. But I also recognize that that weight existed because of trauma, because of these words, because of my body reacting. I didn't eat myself to 300 pounds. I actually ate a pretty reasonably decent diet. I was actually fairly active for somebody who was big. I was not slovenly. I was not, um, I was not someone who was making horribly poor choices. I was someone who literally was traumatized to the point where my body stopped functioning in ways that it was supposed to. If you want information on that, there's a fantastic book called uh, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk, and it is about PTSD and about how our bodies literally change our biochemistry changes, how trauma changes our DNA. It actually alters us in ways that we are just starting to understand. And uh, I feel like I, I went through the ringer with that one. Because, yeah, I topped the scale at over 300 and there was nothing that worked for me, no matter how hard I tried to lose it. I even went as far as bariatric surgery, had my organs rearranged, hardly made a dent. 
until I resolved the trauma, my body wouldn't let go of the weight. But because of that, and that delightful insecurity, it's still something I carry. It is still something that is an insecurity to me. So I've, I've discovered that I can have mirrors. I've discovered that I am not horrifically grotesque or disfigured or disgusting. I'm actually kind of pretty. I'm not a rock star. I'm not spectacularly gorgeous. Would never claim to be. But I've got really long, pretty red hair. I've got very bright green eyes. It's a really, really rare thing. I guess they're called jade. Very, very bright green. They're actually so green that when I was a kid, I wanted colored contacts because I thought they were so beautiful. And I thought, oh, I wish I had eyes that were that pretty. So my mom got me the colored contacts and I put them in. And I realized they were the same color as my eyes. You couldn't even tell I was wearing colored contacts. And I thought, huh, well, isn't that interesting? I now can look at myself and see myself as being someone of worth. I can look at myself and understand that, well, right now in my life, I am alone. I don't have a romantic partner. But that doesn't mean he's not out there. Doesn't mean I won't have one. Doesn't mean there isn't some man out there who will find me absolutely stunningly gorgeous. No matter what color my eyes are, or what color my hair is, or what age I am, or what my weight is. He'll see me for who I am. And that's the person he'll love. I fully believe that. But insecurities for most of my life, prevented me from being authentic. They prevented me from being who and what I was meant to be. They stopped me from being able to excel in areas of my life that should have been easy. Now, I'm also a person who believes that everything happens for a reason and that our free will is how we choose to handle that situation and how we choose to internalize it. So I think that it doesn't really matter why the abuse happened. It wasn't right, but it happened, and it was supposed to happen. And on some level, on some level, I'm grateful for it. Because it made me who I am. It made me into a very tough, very resilient, unbelievably determined woman. There is nothing in this world that if I don't want it, I will go and I will get it. I will make it happen. If I want it to rain diamonds, I will find a Wait for the sky to open up, diamonds to fall. So those insecurities 
hurt for a long time. But they taught me a a lesson. And they taught me a lot about not giving up. About being able to look at the things that hurt me the most. To look that dead center and to say, you don't have any power over me anymore. I see you for what you are. You have no power over me. In a lot of uh, philosophy circles and psychological circles, it would be called incorporating your shadow. Finding those broken pieces of yourself that you discarded and reincorporating them into yourself to become whole again. It's one of the reasons that I consider people to be perfectly imperfect. Because we all are faceted, faceted creatures. We are all faceted gemstones. We have multiple sides. We have we have cracks and imperfections and flaws and chunks of us missing. And it's those chunks that we find and we dust off and we say, hey, you're horrible. This is a horrible part of me. This is, this is, oh, this is, this is a terrible memory. This is, this is a piece of trauma that broke off a chunk of meat. And I recognize it for what it is. And I recognize it for why I discarded it. And I'm going to take that. And I'm going to reclaim it. And when I reclaim it, I'm going to give it a new purpose and a new name and a new function. I now know what you are. I have disarmed you. You're no longer a ticking time bomb for me to find or step on. I understand what you are, and I accept it. And by accepting it, I'm able to be authentic and true to myself. I'm able to say with complete and total honesty, I've suffered some pretty shitty stuff in my life. I've had a horrible outlook. I've had a horrible time. I've believed the worst things about myself. In every single one of those horrible moments taught me a lesson. And they created and shaped me into the person that I am now. And that person is someone who is working at being authentic, working at being honest, working at being open, and living in a world without walls, without emotionally walling myself off. I am not afraid of being hurt anymore. I've learned that these insecurities, these pains and abuses and horrible things that happen to all of us, not just everyone has this. 
Everyone has it in different quantities, on different scales. But the truth is, all of these things are just varying degrees. When does the temperature shift from hot to cold? At what, at what specific degree does that happen? It's completely subjective. Hot isn't really hot. Hot is just uh, less cold. Cold is really cold. It's just less hot. You know, ask somebody in the Arctic, you know, hey, hey, what's a hot day for you? And they'll say above freezing. Go to somebody in the Sahara and say, hey, what's a cold day for you? And they'll say any day that, you know, the sun's not boiling the water. So everything exists on the same spectrum. It's just different degrees. Love and hate are the exact same thing. Hate is just less love. Love is less hate. Being authentic is telling myself less lies and more truth. Can you ever get to 100% authentic? I don't know. Maybe you can. Maybe you can't. But I think the journey and the effort is definitely worth the try. Just as much as I think that believing in, in love and in romance and in the beauty of the world and the gorgeousness of this moment right now, this moment, the, just the fact that you're breathing is a beautiful thing. Life is a beautiful thing. Yes, it comes with suffering. Yes, it comes with pain. Yes, it comes with insecurities and lies and all these challenges. But it's that complexity, that beautiful, imperfect, fractured, shattered bits of life that actually make up a beautiful mosaic. You just have to stand back a little bit to appreciate it. So, I guess the entire point of this rambling for this evening has been that we all have insecurities. They gnaw at us. They can drive us make us question our own sanity. But those insecurities, they are a part of you. They came from somewhere. And just as easily they can be removed, or they can be disarmed, or they can be reincorporated. Those pains are there to teach you something. I don't know what, if it's individual to you, just everybody who experiences them and that pain and that insecurity, it's completely subjective to them. But there's a reason it's there. And if you take a look 
and you ask yourself to be authentic and to truly be brutally honest, where did it come from? Why is it there? What is it doing? Is it, it, it how, how are you supposed to learn from this? And you take a moment and you really think about that. Chances are you can figure it out. You can understand what it's trying to teach you. You can disarm it and you can incorporate it into yourself and become that much strong because you have learned some and you have learned a great lesson. So be authentic with your insecurities. Call them out by name. Accept them. Bring them home and become more powerful for art. I trust that this conversation was helpful. And I hope you enjoyed, and hopefully you'll come back and we'll have another conversation again later. Thank you for listening.